This is the Matt Townsend Show. Tell me that's not a pretty amazing dynamic. Your guide on the side. Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. On BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning. I'm Leanna Tan. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're going to talk about something that I think hits home for a lot of us. I'm pretty sure every single person listening knows someone with a chronic illness. Within your sphere of influence, there's got to be someone, your friend, your colleague, your family member, whether it's asthma or bipolar disorder or cancer, everyone knows someone. So how do we cope with the challenges that come along with this? And how do we know how to go about treating people suffering from these illnesses without exacerbating the problem or without making things more difficult on ourselves? The first part of today's episode is an interview with Matthew Barkdell, who discusses how to cope with and manage someone in your life with a chronic illness. Now, Matt, Matt's uh, been on the program with us before. He's a licensed marriage family therapist. He's also a medical family therapist. We're going to have him explain what that is. He's also one of the medical program specialists for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Welfare Services Department. Um, so, Dr. Barkdell, you there with us? I am here and all my flesh. Good, good to have you. I'd hate <laughs> What's to. Left of it? I'd hate I mean, to have you in half your flesh. Yeah, that would be a makes mess. Makes wonder, huh? <laughs> I hear you. So, Doctor Barkdell, uh, this—I mean, chronic illness. You heard me read that list. I mean, that's an amazing list. Isn't that an amazing list? It just goes on, and I don't even think we got them all. No, no, no. I, it's kind of funny because uh, I've got some chronic illnesses myself. One of which is severe hemophilia. Oh, yeah, that wasn't that, on the list. No, it's certainly out there, and it yeah. certainly is a troublesome thing. But uh, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of other kinds of conditions that really, really make people just bite their lip, and especially when those terrible words are pronounced by the doctor, it's like Ugh. a death sentence to a degree, yeah. where you're thinking, "Now, wait a minute, what does that mean?" Well, yeah, and you feel all of a sudden you feel like you're so messed up. You know, you're broken. No one else has this. And now you're you can't even pronounce half of these, and you're just you're just now. I guess you you could easily frame yourself by your chronic illness. Oh yeah, and that that's unfortunately one of the largest problems we see with this population of families, who all of a sudden we remember Johnny. Johnny was this little boy who had his whole life ahead of him, and now Johnny yeah. is and pronounce that is cancer or. Yeah. We have to treat them like cancer. We have to treat them like this. And, of course, there's delicacies, but it's unfortunate. It really is because all of a sudden you get a critical uh, problem like that that just surfaces, and you just don't know what to think. You've heard about this in other families, but yours, you just never would have guessed. Yeah, in fact, there's a great bumper sticker that says, I have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, love that. So that's, that's right. kind of the spirit of it. But I, I guess part of it is a lot of us as just outsiders – we don't know what to do, right? We feel, I mean, I, I guess it's almost every day I go home and I talk to my wife and she'll tell, actually, I go home every day, by the way. It's not almost so. every day. Good for but you. I go home and I'll talk to her and she'll end up bringing me up to speed on people who's, you know, had a child die of SIDS. That's another one. O- October is SIDS Awareness Month. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a child die of SIDS or another one that a 21 year old boy that passed because of the effects of Crohn's disease or another friend that died of lupus. And so all of a sudden it's just everywhere. I guess part of that is life, isn't it? 
how it is. It's uh, the the thing is is that you know when you hear about grandpa dying, it's still very hard, and to a degree you can't really ever expect it, even though though you know that you know the end is eventual. But when you start getting these people that have been robbed from their youth, and that's the way that a lot of families express it, is right. I've been robbed. I have been robbed, and the unexpected happens, and the family is just in turmoil. There's a lot of turmoil, but it is life. Those things happen, and you hear about those things happening. Mm. But I really do sense that there's just part of our human nature that just doesn't expect that that's going to happen to us. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it's almost like that. It's like don't even go there. Don't even think that. That's oh, not going to happen. Literally, yeah. yeah. I, I deal with these situations on a daily basis, uh, yeah. hearing about <clears throat> whether it's professional or personal or what have you. And gosh, it's a hard and heart-wrenching story. But all of a sudden, when the boundary crosses into personal mm-hmm. territory, then wait a minute. Hold up your hand and just say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. This, there's this instinctual part of us which still holds on to this whole survival of the fittest. I've got to survive. Right. I've got to protect. I've look got, you good, know, look good, look good. Yeah. Exactly. All of those great things. But some the, the, the fear and the doubt that enters into parents' minds are just incredible when it, it's – and one of the – thing is it's not it's going to be an issue that all of us are going to end up dealing with yeah right to one degree or another i've actually done some research and of anything else that impacts families you just cannot get away from dealing with or being affected by or influenced by somebody who has a chronic illness whether it's in infancy or whether it's before your you know your 95 96 97 year old conversation that you were having previously right yeah it's it, it just doesn't matter. It's just there, and somehow we got to deal with those. Well, and it seems like too, if you just go watch um, the news, it's you know, I guess the heart wrenching story that they kind of play at the end of every newscast. You know, eighty percent of those are stories of people living with a chronic illness or people overcoming some disability. I mean, there's there is incredible power. It seems like as well in these moments for learning and for, for actually strengthening others and being strengthened. I appreciate your talking about that, Matt, because that was one point I really wanted to emphasize is although the emotionality behind chronic illness, first of all, has to be there because your body has to process what just happened. It needs to be able to sink in and, and almost come to a reality, no longer denying that this problem is probably not going to go away. Right. We need to express an emote, if I can use that yeah. word, and not necessarily say, well, I'm just going to be strong for my partner. I'm going to be strong for my spouse, my child. You know, And you do need to be strong because they need to feel that strength coming from you. But as a family member, you also have to what I call the emotional exhaust pipe. Yeah. If you're going to block your exhaust pipe, you're just going to get the poison surfacing all around the engine. And before you know it, you're going to crumble and you're probably going to get sick, too. Mm. As you're going through these things, well, it is. It almost seems like this is the great, you know, chronic illness is the great magnifier, and it takes whatever your relationship strengths or weaknesses are, and and it'll magnify them. It'll either make it, the relationship even weaker in a way, like if we can't talk, if we're afraid to talk, it might. I mean, I could see how we could also make it better. But if you don't know how to communicate, it's the chronic illness that's going to kind of highlight that. It really 
will. And it sounds like you've had some good experience working with some of those families, yeah. especially when we have a central problem. Now, again, I was kind of emphasizing when Johnny was well, when right. Johnny was this, when Johnny was that. When you have a chronic illness hit, and doesn't it can be asthma, you know, and it, it's manageable, but mm-hmm. it's still a problem. But the focus of attention is no longer Johnny. Johnny now equates to asthma. Um, Uncle George was incredibly healthy, but he broke his hip, and now he's got and found out he's got rheumatoid arthritis, and it's going to just debilitate him, you know, forever. What begins happening, and if you will, I, you know, you draw a circle in the middle of a paper and you put a little dot in the middle of it, and that represents the chronic illness. In comparison to everything else that you have gone through in life, right. that dot literally represents, okay, this is another event that's happened. Just one but more it, dot. It's, it's one more dot, but it seems like it's sucking up that entire uh, circle, that, that, that suck that page. Yeah. And what we've got to begin doing is we've got to decentralize chronic illness, if I can use that term. When you decentralize chronic illness, you're able to, first of all, you've got to manage it. You can't ignore it. You can't, you know, deny that it's got to be there. That's why you have to have some emotion behind it. But what begins happening is if we're able to decentralize it, and perhaps there's some techniques we can talk about on how to do that, we deal with it as an issue, but not the issue. Johnny is still Johnny. Uncle George is still Uncle George. There's some new realities we have to come up to face with, but it doesn't, we don't lose who we are. If anything oh, else, like that. your examples of Abraham Lincoln and these notable people, we don't recognize them because they had easy lives. We recognize them, and they're true heroes because they were able, they, they suffered a great amount, but they just didn't lose their integrity. Right. I mean, I guess, and that's true with all of us. You're not just, you know, you're not just a doctor. You're not just an LMFT. You're, I mean, there's a million other parts of your life. You're a husband, you're a father, you're a friend, you're a son, you're a brother, you're a, I mean, you're, we are all these other things. And to become so myopic as to frame ourselves through our most broken part, you know what I mean? It's Isn't like, that tough? Yeah. It, it, it's what we do, huh? It's just kind of human nature. Well, we do that. And what's a second terrible thing that begins happening is when we put that as our central characteristic, that what encompasses our identity, is we make that our central command. Hmm. So in other words, what kind of a person am I? Am I a worthy um, daughter? Am I a worthy son? Well, I don't know. Ask central command. Well, we know what central command is. It's that chronic illness, which is blurring our entire identity from the very beginning. There's so much more to us, but when we see that fault, when it's so, when you can physically feel it and you're impacted and you're uh, brought into a handicapped state because of it, then it's pronounced. And there's symbols that just reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. Mm. You've got your cane, you've got your your Tylenol, you've got your daily... um, trips to the doctor for your cancer treatment or your yeah. weekly. I the mean, costs got, are going up. Yeah, all of yeah. a sudden we can't afford what we used to afford. Our quality of life is diminished. All these symbols because, darn it, you're sick, and that's who you are. Isn't that interesting? It also seems like your attention, because so much attention is going there, you're, I guess you stop learning in all of the other areas. You Because it's kind of like, you know, it's not. I'm not about, you ask the question, um, What's it, what kind of daughter am I or what kind of son am I or what kind of friend am I being? Well, you don't need to worry about all of those other questions when you're worried about, yeah, well, I could die in a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and yet, really, you want to keep growing. You want to keep changing. Absolutely. And that's what drives me crazy when 
I hear on the news all the time, and I'm, I don't know, maybe this will cause a little uproar, but I hate it when people say, uh, you know, Julia Hanks or Bobby Smith or in an obituary, they lost their battle with cancer. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, that, yeah. that just does nothing for me. Right. Because, because again, it, it just encompasses again that, okay, you were in a battle with something and you lost. Loser. Loser. Oh, sure. Now they're dead and and they're a loser. Yeah. And there's a bunch of losers out there fighting, fighting a disease that's going to go nowhere. And just thinking now that I was off the subject a little bit, but I just want to reemphasize the point on how much even culturally, even our vocabulary, our shared language, the the, the words we use, all these symbols that reemphasize that chronic illness is in charge. Mm. I want mine to say Matt beat the crud out of whichever disorder or disease I have. And if I kick the bucket, I kick the bucket. I kicked I, it so far. <laughs> I kicked it so far, and if I ended up dying through it all. But let me tell you, that, that when something actually defeats you, it means you stop trying. Oh, I love These that. people do not stop trying. No. You know, they don't stop trying, and that's where the hope just radiates. You've been around people who are chronically ill, and they're probably the, most, the people who just don't let it I mean, it's impactive, yeah. obviously, but it just doesn't let them overcome your whole entire life. Those are the people that you just honor and revere and you just come away inspired from because, wow, look at you dealing with all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, even though I can tell, tell you're sick or you're bedridden, I'm still getting inspiration from you. I'm learning from you and I'm loving you for that. Love it. Uh, Dr. Matt Barkdell, we're going to come back with Dr. Barkdell, and we're going to get into, I'd love to hear some ideas for how do we shift into that new paradigm, that healthier paradigm where I'm not going to let it determine me. Uh, and so Dr. Barkdell will help us with that, plus just other tools, ideas, coping mechanisms for you yourself if you're suffering from chronic illness or for friends and family for how we can best help support and lift up those that are suffering from chronic illness. We'll be back after this break right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back. I'm Leanna Tan. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're listening to Matthew Barkdole talk to Matt about coping with and managing someone with a chronic illness. One great tip he gave was to decentralize the illness, remove that label from that person, and refrain from thinking things like, you know, that's dad with the diabetes or that's Sally with the cancer. Don't ignore the problem, but also remember that you're dealing with an issue and the issue isn't the person. But that is much easier said than done. So let's continue listening to the mats talk to each other. And Dr. Barkdell will talk about how to maintain a positive mental attitude. I've got a brother who also has hemophilia and uh, severe. And he turned that around. He's, you should know his personality. It's pretty great. But he turned that around and uh, made himself a superhero. Got a friend who drew comics and he drew up the hemophilian, <laughs> you know, and he wore this great suit and, uh, you know, he squirts blood. Did he bruise easy? And everything, <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
you know, and so, you know, his nemesis is all the uh, different ways that you can start bleeding, and it's, it's great. You know, it, it's, that is such a true concept. Yeah. I love that segment. That was great. You need to have fun with it. I mean, it's kind of like how you handle it. It seems like how is how everyone else will handle it. You know, isn't that interesting? When I was growing up, I, uh, I, I, didn't, I knew I had hemophilia, but I really didn't know how severe it was. When it flared up, I dealt with it, and my parents dealt with it and didn't make a big to-do about it. I, went, I ended up going to a hemophilia camp uh, just to, you know, uh, about a week each summer and enjoyed that. But I was really surprised uh, the difference of attitudes other mm campers had about their their hemophilia i mean they really really were sore about it and you know I, I didn't blame them for it so much but it really surprised me about the different paradigms people kind of adopted as they were kind of going through their own crucible yeah and it's i guess some of that i guess is nature right everyone is kind of different anyway but then it might also even be a reflection of the the community they have around them the how everyone else I mean that the idea that someone pulls the cancer card to sit to to decide who gets to watch what football game or whatever that's just <laughs> hilarious yeah, I mean I'd start saying well yeah but I've got you know I've got chronic halitosis and my breath is horrible so Deal with yeah, that, be dude. careful if I breathe on you. I mean, <laughs> it's all that good stuff that you can start launching at each other. I love that. It really I mean a little um just a little positive mental attitude would help. What are some other things that we can use? In fact, and Dr. Barkdale, we'd love to carry you through the next break to, oh, sure. to get as many ideas as you can. What are some more things that you see with the clients you work with that are just critical to making sure people make through, make it through this? The big thing that would help any situation, this, is, this seems so basic, but it's so true, is don't make the illness a taboo subject. Mm. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. I mean, it doesn't have to carry your life in terms of, you know, every conversation is about that. But, you know, the thing is, is that there's this big elephant in the room, and we know when it's mentioned too much. But let's talk it through a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to bring up every aspect of it and, you know, how much this hurts and how terrible and crazy it is. You know, just chat about the feelings a little bit. How are you doing today? You know, yeah. some people are, I mean, if they're not so much of a vocal person, you know, they, they do some fun things where they pin something on their refrigerator and say, you know, dad is feeling crummy. Don't yeah. ask. Or, I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just these little nonverbals out there just saying, okay, yeah, let's not talk about it today. But just some fun, clever ways to be able to just to communicate about it. Don't make it an elephant in the room. Uh, we all know what's going on, and it's hard and it's difficult. But at the same time, it's also trying to balance how much is enough mm-hmm. and how much is just too much. Yeah. Well, let's just balance this out a little bit. And, you know, when things are really rough, you can talk about it. I you, love you that. I had a lady, uh, a client who had PMDD, which is like PMS on steroids. PMS. yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, for about 10 days a month, she was just out of sorts. She was... She just was devil child. You don't want to mess with mess with her. And her husband, they put together um, a red light, green light, yellow light in their garage. And if the red light was on, mom's got PMDD. Everybody tread lightly. <laughs> Shut exactly. up. Don't make yeah. noise. But green light, it's a go. Yellow light, you know, she could go either way. 
but they, they did. They made a joke about I love it. It. I, it, it. It is a bit of a joke, but at the same time, there's a very serious element yeah. to it. And that's but very helpful. Couch that. Oh, very helpful. Yeah. Hello. If I'm coming back and all of a sudden <laughs> I see a red light, I'm going, okay. Red light. I guess I'm not going to talk about that new truck I wanted today. That's right. So, uh, Don't maybe make sure you wipe your feet before you go in. It's a red day. That's right. That's Wash crazy. your hands, you know, tread softly. That's right. Well, That's so we we got about one more minute till we need to take this break. What's one thing we can leave them with before the break? Then we'll come back and get into just some more tools that we can do. What are some things that um, we should be, you know, thinking of if we are the person with the illness? With the illness? You know, and this is hard to do when you have the illness, but it, with concentration in a good environment— it's something called reinforcing the family identity. And what I mean by that is when you reinforce <clears throat> who you are. In other words, when somebody's very serious or they're, you know, they, they feel bad, they feel sad, it's taking it to the level of, now, now Mom, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I know this is tough for you to see me like this and everything, but remember what this is all about. Remember the strength of our family. Our identity mm. has been this for years. It's, it's like... I do not own this illness. This illness came as an unexpected specter yeah. in our lives. When you reinforce, maybe we can talk more about that because it's a really important topic, is reinforcing that of who we are and where we really come from and where, how did this family start? How did this family begin? What are the roots and the values and the structure of this family that's made us who we are? I and love that. Reinforcing that as much as possible. If you haven't had a great... Um, positive experience in the past with with the family you know talk about your hopes and dreams what you want what is this what has this taught you right. what's this new person that's coming out because of this I love you know that, that that's tough sometimes you need counseling to kind of work around mm-hmm. that issue a little bit but the more that you can kind of understand not just the illness but more about you know let's not get ourselves wrapped up in central yeah. command of the illness and let's be able to get on with life a little bit and you call that reinforcing the family identity reinforce that family identity. We're going to come back and get into that, Dr. Matthew Barkdell, uh, LMFT, Licensed Marriage Family Therapist, Medical Family Therapist. Great insight on how to deal with chronic illness. We're not going to let it own us or our family. When we come back, we'll give you more ideas for how to take your family back, your psyche back when it comes to chronic illness right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. We're finishing up an interview with Matthew Barkdell. In the last segment, he talked about maintaining a positive mental attitude and not making chronic illness a taboo subject. And there's a fine line, though, I think. it's You don't want it to be the center of your life or the lens through which you always see that person, but also you don't want to ignore that someone has a chronic illness or make it a taboo or awkward subject to discuss. So in this last part of the interview, Matt will talk about what you should do if you are the one with that chronic illness and what steps you can take to make it a little bit more manageable for yourself and for those around you. Dr. Barkdell, welcome back. 
Hey, thank you. You bet. Now, before we were gone or we went away to break, you were talking about reinforcing the family identity and how, you know, not to get not to make this be our identity. Now you've got cancer, you know, it's all gone. But you're kind of saying reinforce the fact that, you know, we're a family. We can make it through this together. We're bigger than this. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And what are the values and what are the things that we espouse? We just don't want to lose ourselves during this time. And sometimes it takes, you know, there's a there's something that we typically do in, in therapy settings if it needs to come to that. Sometimes you don't need a therapist. Sometimes we just need to be able to, you know, just work together and see if we can move through this process. But there's, uh, there's certain techniques out there that are very, very helpful when we're coming down to this um, there's a process that's called externalization, and meaning when there's an element inside of us that are just reinforcing, like we were talking about time and time again, that we have got and we are and we encompass cancer and we encompass all of these different things. You know, the problem is, is that this is such a new concept that we're trying to get our head around. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you know, think about children. When they can't understand something, they act it out. They sit down with their toys and they and they act it out. That's what a lot of play therapists do with kids. They right. sit down and, you know, act out what's going on and, you know, you're able to make some good assessment with that. Well, somebody can do this on their own and uh, not necessarily playing with toys, but Let's make the ethereal or the, you know, you can't grasp it into something a little bit more objective. So in other words, let's, let's say this. Okay, I've got cancer and it's driving me crazy. You know, it's painful. My family's suffering from it. I know I need to reestablish this identity. I need to reestablish my identity, first of all, before I can, you know, emphasize anything else. Right. Or caregivers need to do it for me. But I've got to think to myself, now, wait a minute. What is this really? You know, it's making me feel this, 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 and this. Now, do I have control over some of those things? No, I don't. But I do have control over some things. And that's what you want to, quote, externalize. So if you're good at drawing a picture, draw your illness. Oh, interesting, make it, yeah. Make it, make it separate from you. Yeah. You're not your illness. That, that, that just is not the case. What if I'm a dancer? You know, if you're a, oh gosh, if you're a dancer, you got all sorts of great options to do that. Yeah, well, you, you haven't seen me dance. On your feet. Well, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. I haven't, uh, you know, seen you in person. Yeah, things, but it's I'm sure not pretty. And, and and sometimes people say my dance is depressing in and of itself. So then if I yeah. did a cancer dance, that would really be bad. Combining yeah, certain two, things. <laughs> but, but you're saying turning it turning it into something that it it's like I mean you've seen that uh, here's an example okay family uh, friends actually close family of mine lost their child to SIDS and destroyed their family as this young family cute little baby perfect as ever his name was Parker they externalized some of this um, and instead of just being the lady down the street that lost her baby to SIDS they went and built a, a ballpark. Here in Utah, in Stansbury area in Utah, called Parker's Park, and they built this huge, basic memorial park to uh, all of the children who have all the families who have had children die of sudden infant death syndrome, and they built oh, and put trees all around the outside of the park, which That's was so symbolic of the angels in the outfield. And, Isn't that great? And so, so they've externalized it. And you know what? It was the healthiest thing you've ever seen. And now we still go, 
we still go and put together this great uh, – we still – every holiday, every Labor Day, I think it is, we go out and – oh, Memorial Day, we go out and celebrate at Parker's Park. And all of our kids play. Now, this kid would be, you know, 15 years old right now. But we're all at that park. People donated money. The city's taken it over. It's beautifully run. And you just see – you see joy. Isn't that great? And the thing is – and that's the beauty of it. <clears throat> you know, this kid isn't gone. No. You know, he really isn't gone. Whether, you know, whatever religion you uh, embrace, you, that child is not gone. And that's the fact that we have to kind of come back to is just saying, now, look, there are so many elements of that identity that are still with us. We're, we're not the same because of that child. That means that child is absolutely there. I love that. And so what we're doing then is we're going to externalize something. We're going to externalize a problem we can identify actually what the problem itself is, or we're going to reinforce or externalize, if I may, uh, you know, what, what the solution is or reinforcing who you actually really are. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to kind of get an idea of what you're dealing with. Uh-huh. You and know, it's, I mean, it's so different for everyone, don't you think? And personal and it's, it's just yeah. different. Everybody has their different way of doing it. And we've got to figure out a way to, to to do it our way yet not internalize it but go deep enough to know it's not you. Yeah, it really it really isn't you. Even I mean sometimes I take some of these couples and these families through this experience and they're really kind of disturbed what kind of comes out as mm-hmm. far as the externalization. And I said, "Well, it does does that represent how you feel?" And they said, "Oh yeah, absolutely." Perfect. I said, "Well, yeah. that's that's probably something in order to do that you have to remember first of all about what you were before who you were before yeah. before cancer got you not 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 you got cancer yeah. now cancer has you now today oh. how much does cancer have you well today cancer has me oh i'd probably say it's about 300 pounds i can't carry it well what happens when it's 100 pounds right what's going on when it's 50 pounds what's going on when it's 20 pounds wow. do you have control over how heavy cancer is today or how heavy um, asthma is. Is it just sucking the life out of you? If it is, well, what makes it to 50 pounds? Yeah. Well, I need my inhaler. Well, yeah, that's one thing. But I'm going to tell you, the more that we're able to emotionally be solvent through, emotionally solvent through this, the better we're going to actually be able to react, even when times are tough. There's going to be pain. I mean, chronic illness is just wrought with all sorts of difficulties. And you don't want to ignore that. Mm-hmm. But... When you go through those hard times, it's good to be able to say, wow, I've got a beast. And when chronic illness hits me at 300 pounds, I need the red light, yellow light, green light system. I need somebody to make yeah. me laugh. I need somebody to help me through this. And you start developing interventions and discussions and talks about, uh, about things. So that's kind of the fun it's not fun. The but healthy. It's, it's revealing yeah. it's healthy. You bet. I think that's great. And it seems like, again, that's something that. That, that that takes work. I mean, that would be good to know before you get cancer. That would be. These are things that would be that all of us should be doing anyway, so that when we eventually are hit by one of these illnesses, we kind of have a, a deeper sense of self. That's one thing I think that helps with people that have a spiritual background as they go through things like this is they they know where else to turn. They know that there's somewhere else that's bigger than them, and they already have a frame of who they are that can help them kind of trump this. 
Thank you. And, you know, one of the religious aspects, which is actually one of the things I was going to mention, is, you know, as you hone in and as you just absolutely embrace your value systems, you know, your religion, um, you know, the power of prayer, the power of meditation, the power of that, there is so much truth to the fact that as long as you know that there is a power higher than yourself, Mm. that there is this element that, look, I can only go so far, and it's only by grace that I can make it to the next level. Well, I'm going to adopt and embrace that grace and say, look, if that's what it's going to take to be able to get me through this, you know, and if you're naturally that way inclined anyway to be able to do that, you know, I, you can talk to all sorts of doctors who can discuss the biomedical portion of this. But I had a doctor tell me once when I was at death's door, and an amazing intervention happened. I said, Matt, that's just like Moses parting the Red Sea. I just can't explain that. You can't explain that, and let's just kind of keep it at that. That's that just, just a miracle. It's just a miracle. Well, that's, a, I think, that, miracle. that's the hope of all of this, um, because, I mean, there's miracles that happen, and sometimes the miracles even happen when someone dies. And the miracle might just be that they leave a family that has coped with it effectively and dealt with it to the best that they can, and they have these great memories like we've been talking about on the show. Yeah, these wonderful memories, and they're hard, they're difficult, and we have to, we have to own it. We can't yeah. ignore it. I, I keep kind of going back to that because there's always this sense of, okay, I'm going to use my humor, or I'm going to use yeah. externalization, no, yeah, you I'm can't avoid it. all these things. You know, there, there's a place and a time to be able to vent yep. and to let that exhaust just come out. You know, we need that ability to emote and to be able to, you know, sit down and have those around us to comfort us when we're having our downtimes. Th- those come, and if they're doing, if, if you're having and struggling through that, well, you're not alone, and actually, it's a healthy thing that people are engaging in when they're doing that. Yeah. Dr. Matthew Barkdale, so appreciate your insight. Uh, really, really important stuff, and uh, we're gonna well, for sure. We're gonna have you back on. You're our man, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> thanks for having. Thanks for coming on, because really, this is a hard topic, and you made it a lot easier for all of us. Well, I hope so. Well, good luck with it, and uh, always happy to discuss things. You bet. Thank you, Matt. And uh, as, as we talk about this, I mean, it's it's just great stuff. And Dr. Barkdal so helped us to kind of get a better idea of of how to go about doing this. We're back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend show. We just finished the first part of today's episode about coping with and managing someone who has a chronic illness. And one thing Matthew Barkdale mentioned was maintaining a positive mental attitude. And I think that's a very valuable and very helpful point because it doesn't just relate to dealing with people with a chronic illness. It can be a valuable skill in any trial you may run into in life. So I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into that subject. And I pulled up this interview with Matt and Christopher Connors all about the benefits of positive thinking and a healthy mental attitude. It's it's interesting. We always we always hear, you know, be positive. You got to have a PMA, positive mental attitude. Um, but talk to us about that, because we don't want it to be cliche. 
there, but there is some pretty strong research behind uh, the power of how you think. No question about it. And I, I think that for me, where it starts is I, I something I picked up in coaching basketball is uh, a saying that there are two things you can always control, your attitude and your effort. And cliche, yes. But once it starts to manifest itself in your life and, on, and all of the experiences that you have, and, and I've found both personally and professionally, staying positive while not always easy on an everyday basis and not always easy in the moment, it has tangible long-term results. It helps you to build positive relationships, helps you to meet the kind of people and attract the kind of people that you want, and it invites new opportunities into your life. No, no matter what you're really trying to pursue, both on a personal or professional level, it brings the right people and right uh, opportunities into your life. Yeah, no, totally. You also talk about open mind. Um, what Talk about what you mean by open mind. I, I think for me, open-mindedness, it, it's not necessarily just a, a tolerance, so to speak, in, in terms of whether it's you know tolerance for other people, whether it's political or whatever it may be. I mean, open-mindedness to me is remaining open and to new opportunities, to meeting new people. And, and so much of how I define that, you know, and I, I base it on these values, and, and I recently just published my first book, The Value of You. Both open-mindedness and positive attitude are right in there. And I've just found, you know, really through researching the lives of successful people, uh, in my professional experience, I've worked in the management consulting world, and I've seen people succeed and, and really get promoted to reach high levels of, of where they've wanted to get to by keeping an open mind. Maybe the first path to success that they saw wasn't uh, the door that opened for them. So instead of being closed-minded or getting cynical and thinking, well, exactly the way that I drew up my plan was, was not how it worked out, so now I'm going to give in. It's keeping that open mind to, to being willing to see things through that things are not always going to work out the way you think they are. But if you stay open-minded and if you're willing to keep persevering, uh, which is another value that's so important to me, that, 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 that's where open-mindedness comes mm. to me, is being willing to see those new opportunities and relationships. Absolutely. And it almost feels like there's, a, there's some corollary between um, positivity that keeps the mind open, because once you start getting negative, your mind would start closing opportunities, seeing everything as, as a curse, not, you know, not an opportunity. How do they play on each other? I think that, you know, positive attitude, so as you kind of referenced earlier, there's there's certainly research and studies behind just, you know, thinking more positively. It, it closes you off to those negative emotions of, of anger. And, and so, so much of how I see an open-mindedness and positive attitude, it's, it's around emotional intelligence. And certainly, if you've read Daniel Goleman's work or if you've just read other work in that field, uh leading to the to those vices or leading to those negatives and temptations around anger or envy or you know things like that or just too much pride in your life that'll close you off yeah and it'll literally decrease uh, the imagination and 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 the the creativeness of thinking around you know things that are going to really help you in your life we're staying positive you know you find that your imagination is a little bit more open you find that you're more receptive to learning and trying new things and giving things a shot does does this? I mean, you grew up. You played college ball and um, basketball, but you you see John Wooden. You see um, a lot of uh, a, a lot of motivation and a lot of PMA, positive mental attitude stuff, come out of the sports world. Um, 
where where is it that you learned it and and did you learn it on the court did you learn it as an athlete yeah no question about it matt and and for me i just <laughs> so your audience knows i mean john wooden is a hero of mine and someone that you know in so many ways has served as an inspiration to why i do what i do you know a lot of my book which is a book about core values and the importance of building your life and your foundation on that to put together a plan for your life you know, a lot of that was inspired by John Wooden's pyramid of success. And, and this is a man that is one of the most successful you know, basketball coaches, but just coaches in, in sports history, at least here in the United States. And I think that he just realized the importance of, of building that foundation, of staying positive through adversity. There's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be failures in, in the sports world, losses, mistakes made, you know, turnovers. And there's going to be change all around us in our lives. And, and I think that if you, if you start to get negative and you start to get down, that's really when you tend to give up. And, and the, the biggest part of you know, my belief system is ultimately not to give up, to persevere. I think that perseverance and persistence is key to success. But to me, in order to do that, you have to stay positive. And I, I've learned so much of that, in, mm. both through playing and coaching sports. What do you, what do you suggest um... – because I've seen it with my own kids playing ball. Uh, you know, you strike out once, the next time you're up, it's easy to kind of follow that same thinking pattern. What, what do you suggest we do to kind of uh, to to not follow the negative path, but to actually bring more positivity, to induce it into our lives? Sure. I mean, I, I think it's really important. Uh, I, I start with a lot of foundational uh, thinking in, in both my writing and my coaching. So number one, you know, select what your values are. That could be, fit, you know, fate, your faith, positive attitude, confidence, things like that. Select those values, write them down, you know, define what your what success means to you and what happiness means to you. That, that's something that a lot of people, they don't take the time to do that. But I think once you are firm and you're committed as to, you know, what are the things that make you happy? What are the things that are going to make you successful? And you put those down, you're able to better plan and, and you're less likely to, to kind of give in and, and, and more, obviously, to certainly keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Is um, And I guess, too, that's there's this weird paradox or um, I don't know what you call it, irony, where we we don't want to eliminate negative things. I mean, it seems like we want to make everything you know perfect and 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 not have any negativity but really it seems like we need the negativity so that the positivity um creates value there's there's undeniably a balance and and again i i'd be the first one to say to you that i i'm not <laughs> i'm not positive every every day there there are times that i get down uh the the flip side of that which which i you know and i appreciate you mentioning is that I've found myself lately thinking a lot, and you know, from a writing standpoint of, you know, adversity is your best friend. Something really counterintuitive to most people. Losing is your best friend because the biggest growth moments, the biggest opportunities that often come in life are from adversity, hmm. are from moments when we've either lost someone in our lives, you know, it could be a death, it could be the loss of a job, it could be, you know, any type of adversity or failure that we encounter in life. There's always that opportunity that comes right from that. If you're willing to stay positive, that, that's the other side of it, is you're going to get down. But if you play the long game of staying positive, you realize that things like adversity, failures, those really end up being your best friend. 
Absolutely. In fact, one of the things uh, you've coined, or a ta- I, I don't know if you've coined it, but the idea of individual positivity. I guess you're saying bring it to the personal level, or how how do you frame this individual positivity? Yeah, again, I, I think, and one of the quotes that I mentioned in, in the article was just that in, in every in every adversity, there there is an opportunity of an equivalent advantage. That's a, a Robert Collier quote, a very uh, you know, 20th century author who spoke a lot about positivity. And I, I think, you know, whether you want to call it willpower or whether you want to just believe in the, in the power to try to do our best as individuals to master our emotions and to master our thought life, you know, we all have control over, you know, being positive, over having that attitude every day. We, we, we can really imbue our thoughts with positivity and other emotions. And I think that, you know, all of us can do that. That's, that's not something that is, is a gift for just a chosen few. All of us, uh, through the power of our faith, through believing in ourselves and self-esteem and confidence, we can individually take that on to uh, have that, you know, impact our whole day. Absolutely. What, uh, in your book, um, the, uh, I guess part of what we want to figure out is is really that that each and every one of us has this value. The name of the book is called The Value of You. What what can we do? I mean, I've met a lot of people that, because we live kind of in this pop culture world where, you know, you see Justin Timberlake and he's married to Jessica Biel and everyone wants these like famous, you know, just in, rich and healthy and all these powerful uh, concepts of what makes you valuable in this world. How do you really determine the value of you and what advice do you give to people that aren't sure what where their value is? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, so in my book, I choose to devote 20 individual chapters to a specific value. And I think that, you know, is that a little bit overwhelming in, in, in the short term? Yes. The, bo- the book is meant to be a guide that, you know, you pick and choose. And, and for me, uh, above anything, I, I, love is, is the value that I choose to base. Love and faith are the two values that I probably choose to base my life around the most. And so the way that I would explain that uh, to relate it to the audience is that, you know, I feel like everything I do in my life is based on my belief in God. It's based on my belief in myself and, and belief in the people around me. And I also choose to act out of love. You know, I put my family first. I put the people that I love and care about first in this world. And then, of course, I have my job. I have the work that I do on the side and my passions to pursue. But I bring those up as examples, Matt, because I think that the more, you know, values require work. It requires choosing the ones that you want to build your life on. And then you can put together that plan of whatever it is that you really want to do in your professional life and your personal life, whether you want to start a family. But I, I think you choose the values first, and then you give deep thought to what those things really mean to you. And that, that to me, is, is truly individualistic. It's uh, the mantra of self-improvement that don't, don't just follow someone else's advice. Give it real deep thought for yourself and make that value your own. Yeah. Don't you think that uh, each and every one of us has some defining light or something inside of us that actually is there to help us discern what our principles are, what our values are? Unquestionably. Uh, I'm, I'm a very strong believer in God. Um, I truly believe that in my life I have – it's one of those things that, again, it's, it's faith is – is, is, it's hard to explain to people that don't feel that way, but for people that really truly believe in a higher power, you know, you, you start to see the changes in your life when you, you have that faith, when you give up 
uh, control and, and you give in to the power of, of God. And so, you know, for me, that that is a huge part of, of who I am. Um, but I and I, I would also say I, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, believe that every one of us has at least one special talent, you know, and, and some of us, you know, you start to see, I know you referenced some celebrities and yeah. it's easy to look at the pop culture world or certain athletes and think, God, you know, th- these people, everything they do is right. Everything they do is perfect. And, and that's not really the case. You know, some of us, we have a couple things. Some of us, it might just be, you know, you're a great parent. You're a great teacher. You're, you're excellent at creating art. Whatever it is, I, I truly believe that every one of us has at least one or two things that, you know, we're just really great at. And it's a matter of, you know, finding out, well, what, what, what is that? You know, some of us, it may take a while to find that out, but it's always worth pursuing that, pursuing that passion, putting hard work into it, and being practical about what your natural talents are to try to meld those things together. Absolutely. What would you say, Christopher, as we wrap this up, um, what would you say is the one thing? Again, we're speaking with Chris Connors, who is author, career coach, and speaker, also um, has a a wonderful um, new book out. By the way, you can find a lot of what he talks about and and what he writes about. Um, You can find it on um, medium.com. But um, this this, – Chris, talk to us about what's the one thing? that you would suggest for all of us that we can do today that would help us, you know, maintain that open mindset and, uh, and that positive attitude. Sure. Sure. So I, I think, you know, just one thing again, start, start writing out, you know, that, that why, so to speak for your life, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. I, I think once you make sense of your actions or, or what you truly want to be doing, it's a lot easier to, to believe in that, to stay positive, to, to stay open-minded to a plan that you may have, knowing that plans can change, knowing life will always change around you, that there will be adversity, there will be good days and bad days. But I think being, being firm in your purpose about what you want for your life and being willing to ask those philosophical questions and those deep questions about what's truly most important to you, I, I think once you do that work, it opens you up to being more positive, to seeing that light at the end of the tunnel in, in all of the areas of your life, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically, and all of the things that you do. So I think maybe that's the best way that I would say that, Matt. Good stuff. Good stuff. Chris Connors, thank you so much for your great work. The name of the book is The Value of You. You can find out more about Chris and his work by going to chrisdconnors.com, chrisdconnors.com, and and, and just continue your learning, your process of discovering you. That is really what we're trying to do here. Up next, a little Coach's Corner. Dr. Matt, I'll be here helping you, you know, be the guide on the side. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. love what you said there about how adversary is your best friend because those are the moments you can learn the most from if you have the right attitude. And having an open mind is part of that. And it's it's part of positivity, not just an open mind in the sense of acceptance of others or of your circumstances, but it also includes having hope and looking for opportunities and seeing the opportunities in obstacles. So to close 
off today's episode. We're going to listen to a quick coaching corner and listen to Matt tie up some thoughts about positive mental attitude. Uh, you know, really, a lot of stuff that we've, we are all, I think, learning and trying to do better here. Um, one of the things I wanted to make sure that we talk a little bit about, we talk about positive mental attitude. We talk about having an open mind and, uh, and how those things make a difference. One of the things I think that makes the biggest difference is it's not going to be um, a cliche. It, it's And there's a ton of research behind all of this stuff. But the real reason I like being more positive is because I just feel better. Now, some people are like, well, yeah, but sure, you're going to be taken advantage of more. Hey, bring it on. (laughs) Whatever. If you're going to try to take advantage of me because I'm positive, fine. Because when you do, guess what I'll say? Meh. Oh, well, you know, did what I could. And I'll just move on faster by having a little bit uh, more optimism in me, a little bit uh, more positive mental attitude. I'm not saying I should stick my head in the sand and pretend like there aren't any facts in this world because there are. But I also don't think I need to to just be negative. It's never served me. Um, I sit with people every day in my coaching practice that really are just negative. And it's it, remember, the negativity, I wouldn't argue it's a strength because we, we already know some data in, in the Happiness Advantage, uh, a book that's out talking about the, the power of happiness, um, is one of the data points shows that the most, the most um, likely group of, of professionals that are most likely to uh, go commit suicide and are the most miserable would be attorneys. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because their profession demands that they always look for the negative. So if you set your life up to constantly be gauging and trying to look for the negative, you will find an uglier life. Positivity is more about um, being able to see the, the rainbow, right? Being able to see the emergent property that comes out of the differences between tension and light. And our lives are all going to be filled with some form of tension, some some kind of uh, dark side and some positive side, some light side. And somewhere out of that comes a new reality. They call it an emergent property, right? It's something that didn't exist before. But sometimes you need the clouds and you need the storm and then you, and you need the rain and you need the sun. And when the three can combine, all this tension combines with light, it creates something that didn't exist before. But that light can't come if you don't let it in. If you're not looking for the rainbow, if you're not looking for the opportunity on the other side of the pain, then um, it can be there. How many times have you driven down the road with rainbow up there and you're not even noticing it? And some of us notice it and we're like, eh, well, it's not. It's, only, it's really only two hues. Hmm. Okay, I mean, it's nice, but whatever. We're actually like, we're not in awe of the fact that there is a rainbow. Yeah, it's just a rainbow. No, that means there's no more floods or whatever. So think about it. How effective are you at uh, not just protecting yourself from your cynicism? How effective are you at actually intentionally letting the light in? Everybody, we want, I know, we don't want to be hurt. So it's very natural for us to to not want to be hurt so badly that we just can't find the joy. 
But man, what happens to us as human beings if we could actually search out the joy? And everybody, every one of us today, just today, don't, don't do anything else, but just today, go try to find three blessings today. Three signs that God is good, that life is good. Just find them. Look for them. And then every day, just maybe try again tomorrow. Let's try, try, try to find three more. And then what's really fun is share those. Share those three joys, those three blessings. Share those. And, and then just see what happens. It's amazing what you'll find when you're looking for it. I'm sure today's episode hit home for some of you, and I hope that you take those things that seem to touch your heartstrings and and remember them in some way, writing it down, telling somebody about it. Just do whatever it takes for you to remember those so that you can apply those things. And if you're dealing with a loved one with a chronic illness, know that you're not alone and that there is hope and there are ways to make life more manageable. And it starts with a positive mental attitude externalizing the illness from the person and not labeling the person with that illness or labeling your own life with that illness and determining the value of yourself and the person that you love with this illness and where their value comes from. It doesn't come from their state of health. Christopher Connors suggested in order to do this, to see things through an open mind and to let positivity fill your thoughts and actions because Because then you can open the gates of creativity and imagination and ultimately happiness. Wise words. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Leanna Tan. Be sure to join us again tomorrow for another episode of Matt Townsend.